Hello and welcome to the Power of the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line this week, we've got a very special guest. He's a former Western Bulldogs and Gold Coast superstar and host of the award-winning, I'm not sure what award it won, but the award-winning Mike on Mike podcast. It's Jared Grant. How are you, Jared? Yeah, Neil, thanks for having me, mate. I'm not sure that we actually won an award, but uh, <laughs> might have been for the least listened to podcast of all time. Uh, let's not sell yourself short, mate. I'm sure uh, it had an army of supporters uh, following it. Now, you're stepping into uh, Ben Cad's uh, shoe today. Are you feeling any pressure stepping into such a, such a hefty shoe? Yeah, well, it's a pretty heavy shoe, I've heard. He's... Uh, He's got the broken leg at the moment, and he's, I think he's put on a few kgs. But where, where is he? He's he's just run away after oh, we've uh, come out of lockdown. I'm not sure where the great man is. I, I think he might be uh, getting away uh, to a caravan park, and I think it's his daughter's birthday as well. So fair enough that he takes the week off, but uh, obviously a very worthy replacement in yourself, mate. Uh, now, we've been in the same fantasy league for I don't even know how long now, a good six or seven years. Uh, you've developed a bit of a reputation as a Daryl Morey-style Operator, very drive a very hard bargain at the trade table. You do. You've got a very interesting name, the origins of which we don't really need to get into. I don't think, but uh, I'm going to refer to you as Bees, just in honour of that uh, that name. Is that all right with you? Yeah, no, happy to do that, mate. And, and reigning champion from last year, if we did, oh, of course, as well. Of course, sorry to sell you short, mate. Uh, you, you're, you've been uh, right up the pointy end of the of the competition pretty much every season. Uh, just to get to know know you a little bit better, mate, uh, do you follow a team or are you just more uh, one of those guys that sort of just watches players more more so than anything? You've got you've got an unhealthy sort of obsession with Julius Randle and Hassan Whiteside, but uh, outside of those two, are there, are there any other players that you like or teams that you follow? Oh, I, my favourite player to watch would probably be Steph. Um, just what he does in the court is, you know, it's, he's a freak of nature, but... Yeah, just just following fantasy basketball, I think you tend to uh, jump teams and, and normally whoever you know players that you've got in your own. So, got a couple of boys at uh, Indiana this year, so they might be my team looking forward, but they're they're struggling a little bit, little bit at the moment. Uh, they certainly are, mate. And uh, of course, today's Halloween. Not 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 overly huge in Australia, mate. But did you did you get into the spirit? Did you go out trick or treating or anything? Oh, I went down for dinner, and there was a few kids uh, looming the streets, but uh, haven't had any knocks on the door, so I've been lucky so far. What uh, maybe you watch a scary movie tonight, mate? What's your favourite scary movie? Uh, I'm not much of a scary movie, mate. I'm a bit scared to be honest. But uh, <laughs> I remember watching uh, Saw when I was growing up and terrified the lights out of me, mate. More of, a, more of a sports fan. Fair enough, too, mate. Yeah, if you're watching Saw at a young age, it's probably going to have a few sleepless nights. So. What we'll do now, mate, we'll jump in on it now. Last week, myself and Caddy, uh, we did our we did five teams each and we just overreacted after off a of one or two game sample size. So tonight we'll do our five most surprising teams each. But before, before we jump into that, the news came out, I think it was yesterday, that Patrick Williams, the second year forward for Chicago, will miss the, the rest of the season. He's got a dislocated wrist. Now, this will be a, a pretty big out for them. They come away with a win and beat the previously undefeated Utah today, 107-99 obviously in the first game that he missed. But how do you see this uh, affecting Chicago uh, beats from, you know, losing someone like Patrick Williams, who they've got a very offensive, heavy team, and this is a guy that sort of didn't command a lot of shots, a lot of shots, more so there for his defensive purposes. Do you think they'll, they'll be able to fill that void with someone else, or do you think this is going to be a big out for them? No, I think it's a big out just because he, he's probably covering that stretch four position as a bit of an undersized guy. Um, like you said, they've got Demar, um, Zach Levine, and obviously Lonzo's a terrific defender, but uh, he was probably their lockdown guy in terms of defense. So 
Um, I'm not sure who started today for them at the, the four. Uh, I didn't see, but I, I did see that Derek Jones Jr., who had been out of the rotation, who they picked up in the offseason, did get about 20-odd minutes. So um, I'd say he's probably going to step in and fill that void as more of, the, more of that defensive player. He's obviously a super athlete, and I was a little bit surprised that uh, he hadn't got too many minutes earlier on in the season, but I could see him stepping in and filling that void. Do you like what Derek Jones Jr. brings to the table? Yeah, well, he, Portland went after him pretty hard a couple of years back, and he was in the rotation a fair bit last year for them. Um, high steals and blocks guy so um, oh, he definitely fills the, the void as such um, whether or not you know he can fit into that starting five or whatnot will be uh, we'll have to wait and see but uh, I just think it's a big loss because he's such a terrific defender Williams Oh he certainly is and and, and Caddy did text me yesterday he's obviously very being a Chicago Bulls fan he was very uh, disappointed with that loss, so it'll certainly test their um, their depth, and that was probably the one of the bigger questions we had coming into the season on the Chicago Bulls, their, their depth. So to lose a guy who was going to play a, a pretty integral role in their lineup, it'll be interesting to see how they do cover that. So we'll jump into it now, mate. As I said, we're going to do our five most surprising teams each. I'm a sharing type, mate, so I'll let you take the first shot. Who have you got for your first team as the most surprising? Yeah, so I've gone the first one for, for team and bit of player. Uh, in particular, and that was Charlotte and Miles Bridges. Obviously, um, Bridges is pretty much putting up 25 and 8 at the moment, coming off uh, 12 and 6 last year. So he's actually slotted into uh, the most improved second. Uh, he's second in the uh, TAB odds at the moment. He was Who's on top? He, how, how was he not I'm, leading it? Well, I'm not sure. I actually don't know who was first, but he was 151 to 1 before the season started. So Some tasty odds. He, uh, he was probably somewhat only just in the rotation last year coming off the bench. Um, him and uh, Ball were pretty good together off the bench and both of, both of them have stood taking up uh, starting roles this year. Um, I just like what Charlotte's doing. I like their team. They're fun to watch. Ubro's been starting with uh, Terry Rozier out at the moment, but uh, he's a really good six man and I think he fits, for some reason it just looks like he fits in better there than he did at Golden State. Um, and big more Mason Plumley. There's about six Plumleys, but it's gonna uh, be a Plumley on nearly every team, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. But uh, he's just filling that void at centre for them on a you know not a massive contract, but uh, there's guys around him that are going to do all the scoring and whatnot. And he's a very willing passer, so I just really like what Charlotte's. They're fun to watch, and and they they've started the season with uh, four and two at the moment, so I think they're definitely going to be. Not sure where they're going to finish, but uh, I think they'll definitely be playing playoffs. So do you think they'll make the action? Are we talking play-in somewhere between sort of the, the 7 to 10, or do you think they'll be able to avoid the play-in area? Oh, it's hard to say after six games, mate. But uh, I'm putting the acid on you, mate. This, this is what I we've got you here for, your hot takes. I reckon we back them in for a, uh, a playoff berth. They won't even need to compete to get in. I like it. So I, when we did our Over and Unders podcast a few weeks ago, I, I went the Unders on Charlotte and looked look pretty stupid now. But the biggest concern I had was Gordon Hayward's health. So when when Hayward played last year, the, the, they were very good. But we know Gordon Hayward sort of has a, a history of, of coming up with an injury or two and missing extended time. That obviously hasn't occurred yet. And he's playing the, the type of basketball that we know he can play. So that's still the biggest question mark I have on them. They've been outstanding Leading into that Miami game that they had where they lost on Saturday, it was, they, they were leading the league in, in offense. So they're a high-powered offense with, with ball running the show. And, and yeah, j- just incredible start to the season for, for Bridges. I don't really think anybody saw this coming at all. I mean, he, as you said, he was just sort of 
you know, a bit part in the rotation. He was up to he's up at thirty minutes a game last year. He was one of those guys that uh, was always on the waiver wire in our in our league anyway. And I sort of he was one of my go to guys at one stage. But for him to jump up, he's, he's doubled his points per game, which is absolutely outstanding. I think you mentioned that th- there's certainly some more shots on offer now that Terry that Terry Rozier is out. So it'll be interesting to see if that continues once Rozier comes back. But yeah, cer- certainly a huge jump, and it's. You know, it's his three-point shooting, and he's sort of firing away. He's he's only at thirty-six percent, but he's he's not afraid to 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 jack him up. And th- there was a report that came out on Saturday that uh, Charlotte offered him four years, sixty million, and 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 he didn't. He sort of denied that contract, and, and it's obviously going to work in his favour now. What sort of con- contract could you see him signing in the offseason? I mean, his brother signed, I think it was four years, a hundred million for for Phoenix. Do you reckon that's sort of around the mark he could be looking at? Well, if he's putting up numbers of you know even you know twenty and twenty and eight for the rest of the year, no reason why he can't be around that four year hundred million mark. I wouldn't have thought. And if he's seeing his brother, who probably not putting up anywhere near as bigger numbers as that, uh, taking a paycheck, he's uh, he's looking for the same thing. I'd say. Yeah, I love it when guys bet on themselves. You know, like Bridges had, and, and this is going to come to fruition because I would have thought forty four years sixty million was was probably a fair sort of. Offer sheet that Charlotte threw at him, but for him to to bet on himself and, and come out and start the year like this, I mean, you know, well well done to him. And hopefully, you know, for Charlotte's sake, he can continue to you know to play this well. And once they get Rosier back, that they could be a very dangerous team in what is obviously a very deep East at the moment. So yeah, they're obviously a, a surprising team to come out four and two. My first surprising team that I wanted to chat about were the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now they had a loss today to the Phoenix Suns, which drops them down to three and four. But their over and under leading into the season was only 27 wins, and they look a far better team than the team that's going to only roll out with 27 wins. And again, again, beads, I judged them incorrectly. I went under on the 27 wins. I, I just thought it was going to be another development, developmental year for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But they've come out uh, playing some very good basketball, and it, and it's led by their rookie Evan Mobley, who's been outstanding. Uh, through the first, uh, well, their first seven games. Before today, he was he was at fifteen points a game and eight rebounds, uh, with one point three steals and one point seven blocks. And I think it's his his defense that has just been so impressive for a rookie. Usually, rookies sort of take a year or two to find their feet on the defensive end, but he's he's been one of the one of the real big reasons that they've been able to be a you know a, an effective defensive team. And Cleveland have sort of been you know hovering around the, the lottery for for. You know, obviously, ever since LeBron James left, and you know they've got Garland and Sexton, and who look like you know maybe slightly above average players. They just needed that 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 guy that they could start to build the team around. And Evan Mobley looks like the one um, that they can certainly build the team around. He's been, he's probably more advanced offensively than than most people thought he was going to be. And as I mentioned, he's been outstanding on the defensive end. Have, have you seen much of Mobley? And if you have, how impressed have you been with him? No, I haven't caught a lot of the Cavs this year, but uh, they're a very young list now, and they're starting to put it all together. Obviously, Jared Allen came over last year, and he's uh, he's on the big contract now. He's just pulling down everything off the glass. But it's a really interesting five that they start the game with, with Markinen playing at that three position, you know, six foot ten guy. Um, it's just a really different look for something that's not happening in the NBA at the moment. Is they've genuinely got three talls going out. Uh, Starting the going game. old school on everyone, haven't they? Mm, yes, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So, haven't caught a lot of the Cavs to date, but uh, really keen to see Mobley and just how how they run their offense with uh, Laurie, who was obviously shafted out there in Chicago and had a really poor year of the last couple of years. Yeah, well, yeah, as you said, he'd been he'd been poor the last couple of years. Um, he 
probably still hasn't found his feet. He's only shooting 30, 34% from the field, so no, no doubt he can certainly get better. But, you know, Colin Stexon's uh, his points per game have dropped, but he's 49% from the field, so that, that's obviously much better than they than he has been in the past. His three-point shooting is down. He's at 38% for his career, only shooting 27% so far. So they'd like to obviously see that have a have a higher a higher uptick than that. So, but Ricky Rubio w- was another one of their additions in the off season. He's averaging fifteen points and seven point two assists coming off the bench, and and they're actually getting something out of Kevin Love, who's basically been checked out the last couple of years. He's not shooting the ball well f- uh, from the field, but he's giving him almost ten points a game and nearly seven rebounds. So at least getting something out of Kevin Love. W- what do you see from Love going forward? Do you think they'll hold on to to Kevin Love um, if they can sort of hover around the fifty? sort of 50% uh, win ratio, or do you think they're still going to look to to move him on and maybe get a pick out of it? Well, it's been a strange situation over the last couple of years because you'd, you'd think um, someone of Kevin's age that you'd obviously want to potentially get, and obviously everyone hears about the dramas, how much is to, you know, you buy into those stories and whatnot, but um, he's pretty much stated out in Cleveland, and uh, like you said, him, Rubio, is probably the experience in the Cavaliers' side, and um, I, I got torched last week in fantasy by Rubio, which was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Gala missed the first couple of games, but um, I think Love will stay around. Um, and to, as to how much you know he's worth now, I, I'm not sure many teams are going to offer up so much as for him. I reckon the buyout probably for him would be more suitable, but uh, he seems pretty content in Cleveland. I would have thought he'd be gone by now if he was going to leave. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, the, the, a buyout probably would have happened by now, as you said, if it was going to happen. But and they've they've had a pretty, a pretty tough draw so far too. The Cavs they've beaten Atlanta, Denver, and Clippers. Obviously, three playoff teams, and their losses have come against Memphis, Charlotte, the Lakers, and Phoenix. So they've played all playoff teams from last year. So it'll be interesting to see if they can sort of play around that that fifty percent clip, and you know m- maybe they can be a chance for the for the playing tournament. You know, as as the season rolls on. We'll move on now, mate, to your second uh, most surprising team or player. Who have you gone with? Yeah, I've got another. Well, I've got a few players we wanted to discuss with at Sacramento. Now, Mister Mister Walton's probably not one of my favourite coaches to uh, to watch at all. But no, uh, we did say on the podcast, I, I gave Caddy the hypothetical first uh, coach fired. Would he take Luke Walton or the field? And we both took Luke Walton. <laughs> well, they're three and two to start the season, so I mean, it's probably started better, but. Their defense last year, especially, was just horrendous. They were giving, they were giving up 120 a game um, a night, but uh, it's just a strange situation. They've they've obviously got so many guards now. Buddy's being moved to the bench after receiving the, the big contract. Um, Marvin Bagley's been told he's out of the rotation, which to me just makes absolutely strange, no sense. Um, and they picked up Mo Harkless, who's replaced him. So it just doesn't make sense what's going on there, out there. But uh, Harry B's having a breakout season. Um, <laughs> he's balling at the moment, so certainly is. Um, Sacramento, I, I just never, never know what's going to happen out there. Um, obviously, Fox, great player. Halliburton's going to be a star, um, and I'm not sure. Is it Davion Mitchell? Yeah, Davion Mitchell, yeah. Devon, Devon, yeah. He's going to be a really good player, but um, oh, you just never know what's going to happen out there in Sac. No, they've got the uh, the longest playoff drought in the NBA, so it's it's been a it's been a head scratching you know ten fifteen years certainly from a Sacramento Kings fan perspective. You mentioned Harrison Barnes; he's in his tenth season at the moment, and he's he's got career high in points per game at twenty five. He's never averaged over twenty points a game, and he's 
He's uh, averaging 10.5 rebounds, which is almost double his previous best. So he's he's on fire at the moment, 51% from, from the field, uh, a career high, um, and shooting 52% from three on seven temps a game. So he, he certainly hit the ground running. Um, you know, you, you ran through Buddy Hill coming off the bench. Well, he's still shooting very well from, from, from three coming off the bench. He made some noise last year about he wasn't particularly happy, probably with his bench role. Um, you know, we've got uh, Darren Fox, who started the year a little bit slowly, not shooting all that well from the field, um, and has also, you know, probably slackened off a little bit defensively. Um, and yeah, and, we, and yeah, and Marvin Bagley—that's a strange one. I, I actually targeted him on draft night, and he was taking the pick before I was about to grab him. And and I did hear you on the night say uh, uh, Luke Walton doesn't rate him. That, that was a stupid pick. You, have you had him previously in fantasy and experienced that, or have you just been following him sort of from far? Yeah, unfortunately, endured him all last year, and uh, yeah, Mr. Walton. Yeah, he just—I don't know what's going on out there, but there's there's definitely some beef or some bad blood. And, uh, I don't think it ha- it helped last year when uh, Mr. Bagley's dad started tweeting that uh, <laughs> he needed to yeah. leave or whatnot. It's always good when the family member gets uh, on socials and just lets them know what they think. Oh, fantastic! It, uh, I was listening to to the Open Floor podcast this week, and, and they were talking about Sacramento, and they threw up a couple of hypothetical trades. And I, so I'll throw them at you and sort of see what you think. So it was it was around getting Ben Simmons into the team, and obviously improving that defense that you said there they were the worst defensive team in the NBA last season. So the first one they threw out initially was uh, da- Davion Mitchell and Harrison Barnes for Ben Simmons. What do you reckon about that trade? I just don't understand how you could see Darren Fox and Simmons complementing each other. I just don't think it works. I think Ben Simmons has to – he's the playmaker. Obviously, his shooting issues is – he's a great drive and assist guy, but his shooting's obviously the issue. So if he's going to go somewhere, it has to be a team where he's basically going to have the ball in his hand majority of the time. So would you do would you do like a Fox and a Bagley then, or is that giving up too much, or what do you reckon about that one? Well, they've still got Halliburton, who's really good with the ball, and um, Davion's obviously going to improve and, you know, seek some of that pill as well. So the Simmons trades are no for me. No? Okay. Well, would you, I was trying to get – there's not a lot of excitement, I guess, about Sacramento because they've, they've been out of the playoffs for so long. So I'm just trying to get some sort of excitement uh, about them. But uh, you're, you're a hard no on, on the Ben Simmons acquisition. So where do you see Sacramento going from here, Bees? Do you think there's any chance of making that sort of play-in or, or how do you think they're going to finish up? I don't think there's any faith at Sacramento. I don't think many people have got the faith. I just think they're going to be another – they'll probably end up with a lottery pick again and uh, they'll probably take another guard and just make it even more confusing. <laughs> yes, well, it has been uh, very confusing. As I said, they had the Vladi Divac area with, uh, era there where they decided it would be a good idea to park, pass up Luka Doncic and, and get uh, Marvin Bagley. But, uh, yeah, you just got to feel sorry for the, uh, for the Sacramento King fans, unfortunately. Uh, my second most surprising team this year is the Brooklyn Nets. Now they had a win yesterday, yesterday against the Indiana Pacers, uh, to take them to three and three. The wins so far this year have come against Philly, Washington, and obviously Indiana, with their losses coming to Milwaukee, Charlotte, and Miami. So a bit of a difficult draw, I guess you could you could say. They obviously had the the Kyrie Irving drama uh, right throughout the the preseason, and we didn't know what was going to happen there. And then. 
pretty much on the eve of the season they made the decision to to tell Kyrie he was you know he couldn't play unless he got vaccinated. So they had that hanging over their head going into the season. But I think it was probably looked when you looked at their roster, you you looked at Durant and Harden, and you went, oh, they've still got two elite offensive players, so they should be fine. But the problem was through the first five games anyway, there was only one elite uh, offensive player in Kevin Durant and. And James Harden just didn't look anything like his former self. Now, he certainly got going a little bit yesterday Yesterday against Indiana. But, you know, prior to that, he was at under 19 points a game, uh, seven rebounds and, and eight assists. So, you know, sharing the ball okay and rebounding okay, but just not being able to put the, the ball in the basket. And it was more so the, the biggest thing that, you know, sort of stands out when you watch James Harden play was his ability to draw free throws. And the way the, the game was being officiated this year with the new rules, with guys sort of seeking out contact, not being rewarded, which which I love. I don't know how you feel about that, Bees. Do you like that new rule they brought in? Yeah, I think so. I think it's good. It's just it, not to say anyone's been flopping previously, but uh, the basketball is a more cleaner and uh, you just don't have guys looking to draw those kind of fouls. Yeah, I agree. It's just sort of it's sped the game up a lot more too. So you you don't sort of spend half the night watching guys shoot free throws because that's obviously the most boring aspect of the game. So he he got to the line nineteen times uh, against Indiana uh, yesterday. So maybe he sort of figured it something out. But prior to that, he'd only attempted four, four, one, three, and three in in the first five games of the year. Now this is a guy coming into the season, and I thought this was an, an astonishing stat that. Prior to this season, he'd actually made more free throws and field goals throughout his career. Now, this is a guy that's led the league in scoring three times. Now, obviously, you know, when you go to the free throw line, you're taking two free throws as opposed to one field goal. So, you know, if, if you're taking a lot of free throws, they can certainly rack up. But I still found it, you know, very surprising that he'd hit, that he'd taken more free throws, uh, made more free throws than field goals. But I don't know if you, you caught the game yesterday yesterday against Indiana. Do you think Harden is maybe starting to get into his groove or or do you think there's probably still some kinks for him to work out? He's, there were some reports that he was rehabbing the whole offseason from a hamstring injury. I don't know if you've tweaked a hammy before, Beads, but that seems a very long rehab process considering he even played at the end of last season. But he's presented himself in, in, in you know not optimal condition again. But So what have you made of Harden so far? Oh, I think definitely he, he's going to find his mojo. He, he, he's just too good a player not to. But in watching him so far, it just didn't look like he was well, one. Maybe it's in the back of his mind that you know he's, he's, when he's been getting to the line or he's been driving, he's been drawing these fouls, and obviously they're not going to be there for him as much anymore. So it just looked to me like he was happy to take the three point shot or pass it around the perimeter. Um, didn't look like he wanted to get inside. So um, I think you'll find his groove, no doubt. I think. Brooklyn's they're interesting. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie. I, I can't forecast what's going to happen with that one, but I don't know. Aldridge, Griffin, um, Millsap, they're very old. and Big. They, they, they played very slow. They, they look like they're playing slow, Brooklyn, to be honest with you. It's, and that's the type of way James Harden plays. He gets the ball at the top of the key and wants to do something himself. And um, He's a willing passer, but, um, but basically they've just got all perimeter guys surrounding Durant and Harden. If neither of them are driving at a ring, they're not dishing to the others. So I don't know how they're going to score enough. Yeah, they're an interesting watch. I think obviously they've got superstars, so they're going to find their rhythm. They're going to be at the pointy end. But uh, yeah, Brooklyn, the roster's definitely changed a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. We thought, uh, we mentioned when we spoke about them uh, early on in the season that they had a pretty deep roster. But have you got concerns about the guys around 
the two stars at the moment. As I said, we don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving. But, you know, Blake Griffin, for instance, played a big role for them, certainly throughout the playoffs last season. He was arguably their third most important player. Um, he's averaging 4.2 points a game, shooting 22% from the field. And he's sort of blown off. He's come up short trying to go for a couple of dunks a couple of times. So he's certainly looking his age at the moment. Joe Harris, who who signed a big contract in the offseason, he's there to knock down threes. He's led the league uh, two of the last three seasons in three-point shooting. He's only averaging 10 points a game, shooting 34% from three. Uh, Javon Carter, who they brought in this year, uh, to play like a backup point guard role. He's only averaging one point a game, shooting 10% from the field. So, you know, and you mentioned some of the other guys like Aldridge and, and Millsap and these sort of guys. You know, James Johnson hasn't been getting many, many minutes. And Bruce Brown, surprisingly, was out of the rotation earlier on in the season. Have you got concerns around these other guys? Or do you think that they're just taking a little bit of time to find their feet? I think it'll take a little bit of time. But, yeah, I, I do have some concerns about the ageing um, list. Um, Two superstars will get you most of the way, but when it comes down to the crunch, you need these guys chipping in. Even Paddy Mills, he like his role is as a knockdown shooter. Um, he, he doesn't do a lot of the ball handling because the ball's in Durant and Harden's hands. So I think they'll be there at the end of the year. But uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the roster to be honest with you. Claxton's another one who has been given the starting role, but uh, he he didn't really do much with it. He was probably better coming off the bench last year, to be honest. Yeah, he, I agree. It was. I thought maybe they were going to give him a, a bit of a go because he's one of those younger guys, and and maybe sort of use his legs throughout the play uh, throughout the regular season. Then maybe lean on Aldridge and Millsap and and Griffin and these older guys a bit more during the playoffs. So yeah, it, it's it's certainly an interesting start and a, a bit of a confusing start. Hence the reason I put him on you know the most sort of surprising uh, list here because I I just can't get my head around them. They've obviously you know with two superstars and we'd imagine Harden's going to get going. They're, they're gonna they're gonna find their mojo and and I'm sure they'll be fine as the season goes on. But it's certainly been an, an interesting watch to start the season. We'll move on now, mate, to your third one on the list. Who have you got there? Yeah, I'm going to go with Minnesota, a team who's been very poor like Sacramento for many years. But I'm just liking what I, I picked up uh, Anthony Edwards this year as one of my picks. So I've, I've actually given them a bit of screen time this year. Um, and I just like their, their big – I'd call them a big three with D'Angelo, Cat, and Edwards. I, I think they're exciting to watch all three of them. They're liberal all with the big three there with D'Angelo anyway. Yeah, 17 and five. I mean, if that's classified as big, well, he, he'd be happy with that, I reckon. He'd be very happy. Him a pat on the back. But uh, they've started three and two. Um, oh, they, they're, previous years, they've been in positions to win games and somehow lose them. Whether or not these three now can actually start closing some games out. But uh, they've looked good so far to start the year. Their depth is not too bad. They've got Malik Beasley coming off the bench. He led the scoring today for them, actually. Although, be it, they got rolled. Naz Reed comes off the bench as a, a decent centre backup. Um, who else they got there? Paddy Beverly obviously adds that little bit of defence and grunt. So I think they've got a nice little roster that's building. And I, I think that they're going to have a much better year than obviously the last five. Yeah, I, I, I was a fan of them. I went over when we did our over-unders podcast. And I spoke about them a little bit last week as well. I just think... Yeah, getting Carl Anthony Towns healthy, you know, right in the head and in the body. He's had a, you know, a shocking last couple of years with injuries and obviously the passing of his mother as well. So this is a guy who talent-wise is 
certainly a top 10 player and even arguably a top five player. His ability to to shoot the three, you know, as a starting centre is just incredible. So, you know, when, when he's up and going and you've got Anthony Edwards along for the ride there, you know, you, you said you picked him up for your fantasy team and we, we spoke about this a little bit earlier that he's just so fun to watch. He Incredibly, he actually grew a couple of inches in the off-season um, so he, he he just looks so imposing at the moment, and he's such a, a ferocious athlete when he's attacking the rim. I, I agree. I love watching him play as well. He, you mentioned Russell. You know, he's probably not as efficient as you like. It's been a little bit surprising that Malik Beasley, you mentioned he led led them in scoring today. He he probably started the season a little bit slowly, so they've certainly got some upside from him, I think, and they've got some guys who, who are there more so for their defense, and it's probably been their defense that has been – the most surprising aspect of the start that they've had, you know, Jaden McDaniels and, and Vanderbilt, uh, Jared Vanderbilt and Josh Kogi and, you know, Pat Beverly's obviously renowned as one of those pain in the ass point guards who, who gets up everyone's goat and, you know, can knock down a three ball. So, yeah, I agree. You know, Naz Reed as well coming for the bench, as you said, Tory and Prince. Um, they've got some guys who who have some defined roles. They're, they're either there to, to shoot some threes or they're there to, you know, to be a pest defensively. So I do like the roster that, that they have sort of got together. Do you think that, you know, the West is obviously very, very competitive and, and it's going to be hard to get, uh, you know, even a playing uh, spot? How do, you, how do you see them going going forward? Do you think they can push up and, and be a playing contender? They're a really difficult one to read because they're pretty. They're they love to let you down basically, but like you said, over in the uh, the west, it's more difficult. Obviously, if they're in the east, you probably give them a chance at making that eight or at least the playoff spots. I don't think they're going to get there this year, but they're a team if they can hold it all together and maybe bring a couple of pieces in the next couple of years, that, that they'll be uh, one in the up and coming list. They certainly will be. Now, now they were a team that were strongly rumored to be. Interested in Ben Simmons? Can I get you excited about Ben Simmons to to the T Wolves? Uh, yeah, well, D'Angelo would have to leave, which is fine. Um, they can chuck him up in the trade, but uh, that would probably work a little bit better. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that'd be a better trade, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I, I'd I'd really like to see him get to Minnesota. Obviously, as you said, Russell would have to be in the trade. You'd probably imagine Malik Beasley as well. Uh, Give Philly a couple of offensive guys, and you know, it certainly helps. Minnesota, although their defense has been pretty impressive so far, will help them shore up that end. So we'll see if they sort of hover around and uh, that Ben Simmons talk as the season goes on. Moving on now to my third, uh, my third guy on the list. I've gone with Michael Porter Jr. Now this is a guy in the off season who signed a five-year, two hundred and two million dollar extension. Denver were obviously betting on him reaching his ceiling. Now he certainly showed some enormous potential over the last couple of seasons, but. You know, to, to shell out that sort of money to a guy who who hadn't really shown he was a, an absolute true star yet was cert- certainly betting on him becoming a star that everybody thought he might be able to become. Well, he started out the year horrendously. Now, these numbers I'm about to tell you don't include today's game, which included a three from 14 performance from the field. Bricks. So, yeah, <laughs> Brick City from, uh, from Porter Jr. today. Now, he, he went into today's game averaging 11.6. Points a game, 4.8 rebounds and 2.2 assists, shooting 35% from the field. Obviously, that would go down today after today's performance and 29% from three with a PER of nine. So he he just hasn't sort of come to the party uh, since they signed that big contract. They were hoping, obviously, with Jamal Murray being out, he could be the one that could step up and certainly help 
Nikola Jokic. So he just doesn't he doesn't really help his teammates get any better. He, he's averaged less than one assist a game his first season, then one assist a game his second season, and now at two point two assists per game in what is his third season. If I said, if I asked you, Bees, what what would Michael Porter? If I just said to you, what do you think Michael Porter's? What's his one would? What do you think that would be? I just getting the ball and jacking it up. Yeah, so he, he's seen he's seen as someone who's supposed to be an elite offensive player, isn't he? That, that, that's what you know. You sort of he doesn't seem to get to the, he doesn't get to the rim though. He's a, like he's it's a get the ball and he's an outside shot type guy. Uh, I don't feel like he gets to the rim. No, he doesn't. No, not at all. And 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 that's I'm about to give you some stats that are going to blow your mind. Are you ready? Are you, are you ready for this? This is a guy who's seen as an elite offensive player. For, for somebody who who somebody I think should be an elite, an elite offensive player, someone you can give the ball to and they can create a shot for you when needed. You know, someone like James Harden, for instance. Now, this is a guy who who's arguably the one of the best offensive players of all time. His percentage of field goal assisted. Now, now this is an extreme example because he's a guy that, as you mentioned earlier on, holds onto the rock and sort of takes a lot of isolation shots. He's his last five seasons. Percentage of field goal assisted, 8%, 10%, 13%, 16%, and 11%. So he obviously creates most of the offense himself. Kevin Durant is a guy who people have sort of compared Porter Jr. to. Now, albeit obviously a poor man's Kevin Durant. If we look at Durant's percentage of field goal assisted, he's at 56%, 48%, 47%, 47%, and 31% his last five years. Now, that's pretty sort of in line with guys like Steph Curry. So, so that's sort of the, the basis we're, we're looking at there. Michael Porter Jr., he's, last, he's only been in the league three seasons. He's at 63%, 71%, and 77%. So that sort of tells you that all his offense basically comes from somebody passing him the ball and creating the shot for him. He's actually got very similar stats to Clay Thompson. Now, Thompson's seen as a guy who can, who can be a knockdown shooter, obviously one of the best shooters in the game, but you don't really think about Thompson being someone who can create his own offense. So he's basically, if, if you sort of dig deeper into those stats, he's almost a taller Clay Thompson, uh, a taller Clay Thompson, but doesn't bring that elite defense that Clay Thompson brings to the table. So lo- looking at all that, it's probably if I was uh, the, the Denver Nuggets, I'd be having a bit of buyer's remorse on the on the five year, two hundred and two million dollar contract extension. Now you'd obviously expect he's going to start hitting some shots, but what what have you seen out of Porter Junior this year? And can you can you think he can become this elite offensive player that you know Denver obviously thinks he can be? Oh, I'd definitely be having buyer's remorse, um, especially the way he started the season. He obviously took that check to the bank and uh, forgot about the off season training. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, like you said, he's just—I oh, just find him to be a knockdown shooter, and to get that kind of money, um, you know, you've got to be pretty much an elite, in the elite category. But he's going to get better, no doubt. Um, you can't be throwing up three from fourteen, or you'll start finding himself out of the rotation. But yeah, it's a, it could be it could be a really costly one for the uh, Denver Nuggets in the coming years. Obviously, they're going to have to go with him here uh, coming moving forward. Um, Murray will come back eventually, but. Yeah, it hasn't read well to start the season, and I know your mate Toffer, uh, he's already he already bought him low ball for a he trade, did. and it's probably he not did. looking great. <laughs> no, I don't think Toff's certainly having some uh, buyer's remorse on that trade. He was, uh, he I think he got him, I think he got him off caddy too. So he's, uh, he was, he was pretty happy, I think, getting that. But yeah, it's, uh, it's looking pr- pretty disastrous so far. So, so you mentioned there that the 
what are they going to do going forward? They're, they're, they've just paid um, Porter Jr. the big contract. You know, they're going to have to play – they paid Jamal Murray a big contract as well. Aaron Gordon they re-signed for, for a hefty figure in the offseason. They've got Nikola Jokic coming up. So do you think they're going to be able to keep all four of those together or are they going to have to look to trade one of those guys? Well, it's going to be difficult for them to trade, obviously, with the, the dollar amount that uh, their contracts are worth now. So, um, Which one would you, you look know, to move on out of those guys? Oh, Bearing in mind the size of the It's a scary proposition at the moment. It's a scary proposition at the moment, but I don't reckon there was that much interest for Aaron Gordon when they picked him up last year. You know, Murray's probably the one that's got the best currency. It's going to be hard for them to give up Jokic. I don't think that'll be happening, so... Um, and now they've basically, you know, they've they've backed in Porter, so I can't see them getting rid of him straight away. So I think Murray would be the one that, you know, buyers-wise or what they could get back in. Uh, I think there'd be the most interest. Obviously, he'd be coming off of an AC, his ACL as well. So they're in a little pickle of a situation, but they're still a very solid team at the moment. Nikola Jokic is an unbelievable player, so he, he carries them. He certainly does, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I agree, Murray would certainly bring back the most if they were going to move on from one of those four. I don't know whether they do that. Him and Jokic have such a good connection, so yeah, maybe they they move they look to move Porter Junior at some stage. But they're obviously going to hope that he can start you know shooting a little bit better, and he's otherwise his currency is going to be rock bottom. We'll move on now, mate, to your last uh, most surprising team or player. Who have you gone with there? Yeah, we've gone with the Aussie. Um, being an Australian podcast, we had to put something in, and it's like not it. Joe Ingles. Uh, it's the uh, OKC first draft pick, Mr. Giddy. I've certainly seen a little bit of him because basically OKC gets wiped out in most games, except for against the Lakers. Um, but he's averaging 11, 6, and 6 to start of the season, and uh, another NBL prospect taking after Lamello. Um, their boys are coming out from the NBL and, and putting it on the court and, and getting the job done. Um, he's uh, he's not shy. He's, he's knocking down the three ball here and there. He's willing to get into the paint with the trees. So he's actually a really exciting player to watch. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to see a lot more of him. Yeah, he's, I must admit, he's totally surprised me because having, having watched him in the NBL last year, he certainly didn't jump off the pages. You know, he's clearly not not a, an elite athlete, but he just he just surveys the floor so well and he's just a he's almost an elite passer already in, in his first season. And I guess we, we saw the same thing with Lonzo. I don't know if you watched much of the NBL beads when Lonzo was out here, but I didn't think he was super impressive out here, did you? Lamello, you mean? I get that yeah, Lamello. as well, mate. Yeah, sorry, well, um, I'll call him Lonzo. Yeah, no, it's the same it's the same thing. I don't know. The NBL you know, obviously the standard's not as quality, but I, I was the same um, when Lamello was out here. You know, he'd, he'd do some terrific things, but he'd, he'd throw a lot of turnovers, and he's absolutely taken his game to a new level in his first year of the NBA. So um, I'm not sure whether it's just the training camp and getting involved with the system or whatnot, but, uh, yeah, they, they both, like you said, not overly impressive when watching the NBL, but couldn't be speak any higher of them from their start to the NBA career. Yeah, no, no doubt. And yeah, there was actually a report that came out uh, that Golden State were actually going to take him, Giddy, this is, with the very next pick. So he, he, you could imagine Giddy slotting in really well with the Golden State Warriors with, you know, Steph and obviously Clay when he gets going and Jordan Poole and these knockdown shooters that they had. So that, that would have been that would have been a really interesting marriage having Giddy playing with Golden State. But yeah, he's been super impressive so far. We, we know Oklahoma City uh, are 
are not really trying to win all that much. You know, Caddy spoke about them last week and said they could have the worst roster in the history of the NBA and set a and set a record for the least amount of wins. So it's obviously going to be a very long year in OKC, but no doubt Giddy's has has come out firing, and there was, there was probably a few eyebrows raised when when OKC took him at pick number six, and they thought maybe it was going to be a bit of a long play, and th- this was them going down the path of just getting worse and getting some more future picks. But, you know, so far so good from Giddy. So let's cont- hope, uh, Ozzy, obviously from an Australian perspective, that he can continue on and uh, and have a very good season. You know, the further the season goes, is obviously you'd expect him to get better as the season goes along. Uh, moving on now to my to my fourth one. That wasn't your last one, by the way, mate. I wasn't trying to cut you short. You've got one more to go. My four, fourth one is the uh, Indiana Pacers. Now they had another loss today to the Toronto Raptors, which which marked them down to one and six. Their only win actually came in overtime against Miami, so they've now lost to Charlotte, Washington, Milwaukee, Toronto tri- twice, and the Brooklyn Nets. So in the off season, their biggest acquisition was was Rick Carlisle. He was brought in, um, and they brought back essentially the same roster. They did add Chris Duarte, um, who's been very impressive so far as a rookie, but. I guess they've had some injuries so far. So TJ Warren hasn't taken the court at all. Uh, Karis Levert played his first game uh, back today. Uh, they've also had M- Malcolm Brogdon, who started the year pretty well, has missed the first two games. So there's certainly an, a bit of an inbuilt excuse there. Um, but I think Duarte has basically replaced that, that TJ Warren uh, position at the moment. As I said, he's been very impressive for a rookie, averaging almost 19 points a game. So you could sort of say that he's taken his role. So... Even though they've had these injuries, I think they, they've been a little bit disappointing to start the, the season one and six. Uh, Sabonis, who I know you beat me to the punch, you took him the, the pick before I was about to snaffle him in, in our fantasy league. He's He started the year uh, very well, averaging the 20, 20 and 10 with a four and a half assists. Uh, Brogdon, as I said, he started the year pretty well, uh, 23 points a game and seven rebounds, seven assists. So I think Miles Turner's the one that, you know, he's been probably a bit of a confusing player the last few years. He, he actually had a game early on in the season against Washington where he had 40 points and 10 rebounds. Now, you see him do that from time to time and you scratch your head and you wonder, well, why can't you produce that a little bit more frequently? Cause see, his other games, he's had 9 points, 4 points, 5 points, 10 points, 9 points and 10 points. So to have 10 points and under in, in your other six games but then to be able to explode with 40 points just doesn't make a, a hell of a lot of sense. So... They're a little bit of a, a confusing team, I suppose you'd say. Um, they do have that inbuilt excuse for injuries, as I said, with with you know TJ Warren and, and Levert and Brogdon missing stretches of the season. But where where do you see the paces going from here, Beads? Do do you think they just wait till everybody comes back, assess you know what's going on there, or do you think they they look to to make a trade again? This is another team that ha- had their name sort of bandied about for Ben Simmons, but they did sign Malcolm Brogdon to an extension just before the season. Uh, kicked off, which means he's no longer eligible to be traded this year. So that probably takes him out of the Simmons stakes. But where where do you think they need to go from here? Well, they need to win some games to start with. Um, That's a good idea. <laughs> I like the, that. Stating the obvious, but uh, oh, their rosters, I really like their roster. Um, like you said, I've, I've watched a little bit of Indiana this year. Um, well, I'm not sure whether the offense has changed all that much with Rick Carlisle coming in, but... Uh, uh, Duarte, are we saying Duarte? Yeah, oh, yeah Duarte, that's it. it. But uh, he is a very confident young man. He's, he's willing to put the ball into the net whenever he gets a chance. Um, I just don't know why they won in six, to be honest with you. They went double OT against Washington the other week and 
probably should have won that game. Look, they're probably a better team than one and six. I, I think I think they're definitely a playoff worthy uh, team. They're going to need to get everyone on the court. I know Brogdon had a few injuries last year as well. Um, Warren's obviously been banked up for a couple of years. And they uh, they just got the faith in playing Miles Turner um, and keeping him on their list. Um, but like you say, you get a 40 and then you have under 10 for the next seven games, you start to raise eyebrows. But uh, Do you like that pairing with Sabonis and Turner? Because it's a little unusual. You mentioned Chicago earlier have got a tall lineup, but it is unusual. And they've been together for a few years now and probably haven't produced the results that you'd like. Well, they they Sabonis comes off early so that they both get centre minutes, and I think realistically Sabonis is probably more of a centre. Um, when they're both on the floor, Turner becomes a just a perimeter shooter and basically doesn't get a touch, and that's why he has no rebounds and, and doesn't score. So Sabonis is really good in the paint and and obviously finishing around the rim. So. Well, for me, I, I think Turner would be the one to, to move from them if anything was going to happen. Uh, I think Levert, if he can get back and healthy, is a really, really good player and, and he'll complement Brogdon to be able to obviously provide uh, the ball and, and scoring for them. So I think they're going to improve. Um, but, yeah, they, they're going to need to make something happen soon. Yeah, no doubt. And hopefully for their sake they can get these guys back on the court because I, I totally agree with you. I really like their roster. I took the overs early on. It's not looking good. Uh, it's not looking good early on, but uh, I'm sure Rick Carlisle, being, being one of the better coaches in the NBA, can can get them back on track if they can get some guys uh, back out onto the court. Now, mate, we'll move on to your to your last uh, most surprising team or player. Who did you go with here? Yeah, I don't know if it's surprising, but I think they've just put the writing on the wall to start the season. That's the Miami Heat. Um, started 5-1, and one. Um, very impressive. Today, they, they pants whoever they played today. I can't. Can't recall off the top of my head who they played today, but uh, I think they dropped about 130 points. Jimmy Butler started the year really, really well. Um, Tyler Heroes obviously come off a really poor season last year and has turned his fortunes uh, around. He looks very confident coming off the bench as their six man. Uh, and obviously they've got Oladipo, um, Morris off the bench this year. Tucker's fitted in nicely. I think Bam's going to have a really big year. Um, they're all just, uh, they're, yeah, they're all probably playing their best basketball at the moment. Um, big Dwayne Deadman's there to back up centre minutes, and, and he's looked good as well. So, yeah, they're, they're an exciting one, and there's a little bit of talk that obviously potentially if John Wall was to get bought out, he could manage to find his way over there as well. So I think the Heat are in, for, in it for a long way this season. Yeah, being a Miami fan, I did say when we spoke about them earlier that I did like their off their off-season in respect in that, you know, I don't didn't really like the length and the size of the contracts I ha- they handed out, but I thought initially, you know, certainly this first year they had to hit, and it looks like they are going to hit, you know, pr- pretty pretty much straight away. I, I, I question whether they're going to be one of these teams because they've sort of got some of these older guys that they would be better off in the playoffs more so than the regular season. But they, they've come out and, you know, they're on fire, as you said. They're, they're off to a, to a flyer of a start. So... Their defense, and I mentioned this when we spoke about them, that they can throw out a lineup of you know of Bam, Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker, and and Kyle Lowry for all above average or elite defenders, and and doesn't matter who that fifth guy is, they're going to be very hard to score against, and that's certainly come to fruition. They've got the number one ranked defense in the whole NBA, and I, there was a stat that was something along the lines of their defensive rating at the moment. If it if it if it stays like this, will be the the be- the best defense I think since about the the nineties or something. So they're on fire. That they played the Charlotte Hornets yesterday, who came into that game 
with with the best offensive rating in in the NBA, uh, averaging over 120 points per game, and they only scored 99 points. So. Yeah, their defense has just been absolutely outstanding. A couple of other reasons that they have started so well, uh, their rebounding, which was horrible last year, um, they're ranked number one in the NBA. They're really cra- crashing the glass, especially offensively as well. They had another 11 today against uh, Memphis, um, and, that, and they won the rebounding count uh, comfortably despite the fact that Bam Adebayo, who, who started the year really well uh, from a rebounding perspective, wasn't playing. Um, another another big reason that they started the year so well is Kyle Lowry, who has actually struggled with his shot early on in the, early on in this season. Got it going today, hitting four or five from three uh, for fifteen points. But he's just had a huge effect on the way they play. Just his hit ahead passes. Every time he gets a ball, he's looking to 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 advance with a pass, and that's sort of you know that that's sped up Miami's offense. That they've been more a deliberate sort of slow uh, walk it up style uh, offensive right. right Right back to when they had Dwayne Wade and, you know, Butler generally plays that way. But having Lowry with the head-to-head passes and he's always got his foot on the gas uh, when he's got the ball in his hands has really transformed the way that they play their offense. So he's been re- really, really impressive. And and Jimmy Butler started the year on fire as well. He's absolutely ripped. If he's not the, the most conditioned uh, player in the NBA, I don't know who is. So he, he puts in the off-season work every year and he's come out and started the year really well. And as you said there, there's, there's a rumour about John Wall potentially uh, joining uh, the Heat at some stage if he's bought out from the Houston Rockets. And they've also got Victor, Victor Oladipo, who's still recovering from injury. So they've certainly got some guys that could potentially come in and add, and add to, to what they've got going already at the moment. Where do you see the Heat fitting in, Beads, in the Eastern Conference sort of picture? Do you think they're right up there with, you know, a Brooklyn and uh, a Milwaukee? Or do you, have you got them just a little bit below those two? No, I've got them up there this year. I think I think they're they're the real deal this year. Like you spoke about the the Lowry acquisition and and just watching a few of their games, you're exactly right. And he just pushes the ball. And, and Miami, like you said, has been typically a little bit of a slower team. But I'm not sure what their fast break points were. But he gets a lot of little passes ahead. And um, Butler's been a very big beneficiary of that as well this year. Um, yeah, I've got they've them. Got, top they've two. got a nice I, chemistry going those two, haven't they? Yeah, I've got I've got I've got them top two. Yes, I like it. I like it. Yeah, so no, I, I agree. I, as I said, I've been a little bit surprised that they've started so well, but uh, yeah, they're looking very, very good, and they've been able to cover. The only game they've lost is when Lowry missed, so that sort of highlights he's important. But I think today's game was an important win for them against Memphis. So back to back, they're missing their All Star uh, in Bam Adebayo. So to be able to come away with a with a comfortable win without his services, I think sort of speaks volume for for the confidence that the Miami Heat are playing with at the moment. Uh, we'll now move on to my last most surprising team, and it's the Washington Wizards. So that they come away with a with a thrilling double overtime victory today against the, the Boston Celtics, um, which takes them now to, to five and one. So their big move in the offseason was, was trading uh, Russell Westbrook. They got Montrose Harrell, uh, Caldwell Pope, and Cole Kuzma in that trade with, with the Lakers. Uh, they also added Spencer Dinwiddie and Aaron Holiday. So I really liked what they did in the offseason. You know, despite the fact that Westbrook was was certainly very good, particularly in the second half of the season last year for them, I just thought basically trading him for three depth players was going to be a really big sort of uh, you know fill up for them, and it's certainly proved that way so far. So Montrezl Harrell's got back to you know to to the level of basketball you know, that we know he can play. Probably after being a little bit down the last year or two, he's he's been outstanding so far, averaging nineteen points a game and ten rebounds. 
He started the, the last two games since Gafford's gone down with injuries, so he's been a great pickup. You know, Kuzma's been pretty good so far as well at the 15 points and impressively averaging almost 12 rebounds a game. Uh, KCP's knocking down the three ball, had a good clip and playing his sort of usual tenacious defense that he plays. Dinwiddie uh, has had a couple of really nice games for them as well, averaging 19 points a game. And uh, and Bradley Beal, I suppose, the, the, the question uh, mark on him has been over the last couple of seasons, you know, will he stay or will he go? He's been sort of seen as that that star-level player that every other team is looking at, waiting for him to demand a trade. But, you know, if the Wizards can continue to play at this level, I mean, they're obviously not going to, you know, win, you know, five out of six games every time. But I, I think he's probably looking at this roster now and thinking that this is pro- probably the best roster he's had over the last four or five seasons and is giving him the best chance to win go forward, going forward. And, you know, Beal has probably started the year – well, not probably. He's started the year slowly. He's only shooting 36% from the field so far. So there's certainly some upside from him as well. So this is a, a very interesting team, I think. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they go going forward. What have you seen so far, Beads, out of the, of the Wizards? Have you liked what they've put together so far? Yeah, well, I think you, you spoke about the Westbrook trade to get depth players in. Well, those depth players are basically starting roster spots for – for Washington now. Um, why Montrezl Harrell didn't get minutes or didn't play well at the Lakers is, is beyond me, but uh, he's back to what he was at the, at the Clippers. Um, you know, he's a, he's a 20 and 10 guy if he gets the minutes. Um, Kuzma, I just thought that he needed to get out of there and he needed a fresh start and it seems to have worked for him so far. He's always going to be heavily criticised, but uh, that's what comes with uh, when you have a bit of swag about yourself. Um, Got plenty of that. And, and uh, and Dinwiddie, he's he's probably a really interesting player, person I actually like to watch over the last few years, especially when he was at Brooklyn. You know, he's not he's not a great outside shot, but he knocks down. But uh, he just seems to run the court really well, and um, probably compliments Beal that uh, you know they can both be on the court, and um, Spencer can set up for him, or vice versa. Um, you know, the other way around. So. I think it's just a better fit than when they had Westbrook there, and now they've obviously got a few more players that are, are capable. And, and the five and one start, I don't think anyone would have penciled them in for that. Uh, I think most would have thought that. I'm not sure what your over under was, but I'm tipping you would have gone the unders for Washington. I actually I went the I got one of these right beads. I, I there was only the over under was only about forty odd from memory, so I went just over. But yeah, certainly. Didn't see this start coming. And so they've beaten Toronto, Indiana in a game that Bradley Beal missed. So impressive to win that. Uh, Boston twice and Atlanta. So, you know, a reasonable, they haven't headed out west yet. So a reasonable start for them so far. Do you think that, where do you see them fitting in, in the Eastern Conference? It's it's obviously a very competitive Eastern Conference this year. What what sort of range do you see them falling in when all, when all is said and done? It's a tough one. I reckon, oh, geez, six to ten, I think. I think with the start, uh, they've shown a lot of promise. There's obviously going to be some confidence there. Bugle hasn't got going as much, as, and, and obviously he's a really you know, a key cog. He has been for many years there. But, um, you know, he's putting up insane numbers last year, so I, I think he's going to obviously improve. And obviously a, new, a lot of new teammates, so they're probably still working their jail and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I think Washington will be one of the big improvers this year. Yeah, I really like watching him play. Beal's one of my my favourite players in the, in the NBA. He's been a part of the my fantasy fantasy team the last two seasons. That's probably sort of contributed to that. But I've I've watched him obviously a lot. Yeah, as you said, you watch your your fantasy players pretty closely. So I've seen a lot of the the Wizards over the last couple of years, and I love watching him play. And hopefully they can they can push up and, and compete for a playing spot. 
So we'll call it there, mate. Uh, a big thank you for jumping on board and, and filling the void uh, left by Caddy. You were outstanding, mate. You come out and, and racked up a triple-double straight away, mate. Were you happy with your performance? Oh, look, I was probably a bit underdone. Um, came in like <laughs> James Harden did off the off-season a couple of years back. But uh, thanks for having me on, mate. I obviously enjoy my basketball and love talking about it. And it's a, it's a daily thing for us, so uh, no dramas certainly is mate so as i say every week thank you to everybody who continues to download this podcast if you haven't jumped on apple Podcasts yet if you could do that and give us a five star rating it would be much appreciated also jump on facebook and like the page we've got going there because we and we also post all the episodes there so you'll they'll be posted there and you can get them every week and until next week we'll talk to you then (laughs) 